About 20 years ago, my wife and I sat down, we read a book by Dave Ramsey called Total Money Makeover and really helped us in our, our young lives. We're not young now, but we were then, and we didn't really have a good understanding of finances and how it works. And one of the things that, that he recommends uh, is that you get an envelope system. And so we, we actually bought into the envelope system, and believe it or not, 20-something years later, we still do it. We have... Uh, sort of envelopes, you know, we've, we've upgraded from the paper envelopes. We have this little accordion thing, and once a month we go and we get money out of the bank in cash. We put it in the little different areas, right? And of course, because I'm the nerd, I print off little uh, sheets so we can, like, you know, balance it and make sure that we take, when we take out money, it goes out, and we put it in, it goes in. Well, here's how it goes. We, we, we get money, we put it in there, and then throughout the month, we withdraw cash from that. Now, could we use a credit card or a debit card? Of course we could, right? But, but here's what, what Dave Ramsey says. He says, it's important for you to tangibly see and to feel where that money is going. And so we have money that we have set aside for dining. And so when we want to go eat out, my, my kids will say, or maybe my wife will say, hey, can, you know, can we go eat out tonight? And my response is always the same. Check the envelope. If we have money in the envelope, we can go. But you also need to understand that, that that money does not get replenished until the first of the month. And so if we go on a tear and eat at McDonald's five times in a row, uh, the first week, then by the end of the week, we're at home eating tuna sandwiches, right? So there's deposits and withdrawals, there's balances and a ledger. It's all very easy. And the reason why is because it's tangible, because there's incentives, and it's simple math. If you spend too much early on, you can't go out to eat later on. If, if you save, that means next month there could be a time where you get to eat out at a special place or get to eat out another meal, right? So I'm not telling you how to live your lives as regards to finances, but I just want to say, what does it have to do with spirituality? What does it have to do with grace and forgiveness and our faith? So let me ask this. Does Jesus dying on the cross give us a blank check? Did, did heaven issue you a credit card with no limit? If Christianity had an envelope, would God make all the deposits and you only make the withdrawals? So last week we looked at Jesus' two-part healing of the blind man. And Jesus did that to give an example that people, not just the people on the outside, but even his close followers, they just couldn't really see what was going on. And after that, which we'll discuss in class, is that Jesus is going to give the first of three passion predictions in just 92 verses. In, in a, a span of just three chapters, three different times, Jesus is going to talk about his own suffering and his own execution, his own death, his own sacrifice. Now, he's going to say that. Peter's going to get upset. He's going to rebuke Jesus. Jesus is going to rebuke Peter. And then we're going to get what we are at right now in Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 34. 
But, but don't lose sight of what's happening. Okay, here's, here's the frame, here's the context in which is, is taking place as we dive into this text. Everyone wants to see the kingdom. All the Jews are ready for the kingdom. They want the throne, they want the crown, they want the victories, they want the feasts, they want the riches. And Jesus is going to say, you can't have riches without suffering. Everybody's ready for the withdrawals. But Jesus says, there has to be deposits. And so now we're going to get to a part that makes everybody probably a little bit uncomfortable because you've heard this before and you know where we're going, but just stick with me here for a few moments. We're going to start in, start in Mark chapter 8 and verse 34. I think we have a slide up already. Do we? Here we go. I mean, maybe not. You can, just, you can just use your Bible. Starting in verse 34, it says, Then he called the crowds to him along with his disciples and said, this is the words of Jesus, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their very soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. Okay, so there's a lot going on in this. And this is a, a passage that we're, we're really familiar with. We find it throughout the Gospels. Uh, Luke chapter 9 also says something very similar. Jesus says, there is a cost to follow me. That there's a price to pay. And, and for many of us, we struggle with the idea of how can there be grace in which God says, I have, I have bought your freedom, I have paid for your sins, Jesus carried it to the cross, but then we also have a passage like this that Jesus says, hey, no free rides. How, how do we deal with, how do we wrestle with this tension of this grace in which we've received from God all that we could ever need and it's all about him we can't earn it we don't deserve it but then somebody stands up and says well let's read Mark chapter 8 and Jesus says oh by the way if you really want to be my disciple you have to follow me you have to pick up your cross and you have to carry it daily and go so far to say that not only are we not on a cruise ship, he says, if you really want to follow me, you have got to be willing to lose your life to gain what I'm offering. Boy, that's really tough. How do we, how do we wrestle with this? I mean, this has been going on for centuries. How, 
How do we figure out, okay, we've got the grace of God. Woo, that's great, but you've got to work. No, I've got grace. No, I've got works. And everybody finds their way gravitating towards one of the bar ditches. It's grace, grace, grace. That I got everything. God's got me everything. I can do whatever I want. And then you got, no, you got to earn it. You got to earn it. Oh, you got to do this. You can't do that. And we make up all these laws and rules of what we can and can't do, what's appropriate to wear on Sunday, what movies we can't watch, and all these different things. Like, where does this all fit in? Does anybody else struggle with this? Like, how do I figure out between God has forgiven me, but that also means that, you know, I have a responsibility for Him? So I just, I don't really know what to do with it. Can grace and elbow grease exist in the same place? And so I'm not sure how this will work out. This may fail miserably, especially because the person I'm going to ask to help me out, um, he, he may sink me before we even get going. All I said was, hey, can you help me this morning? He says, yes, as long as you don't make me do a bunch of push-ups. And I said, okay. So Lynn, will you come up here for just a second? I think most of y'all know Lynn Blackman. Um, he's most well known for the fact that he's married to Frida. And we all love Frida. And, and he's raised some, some amazing kids and grandkids, and we love them all. I can tell you a lot of things about Lynn Blackman. He, I, I think one of the things I love most about him is he's so incredibly passionate. Uh, if you don't know Lynn, uh, if you spend any time with him, you'll find out really quickly... That was me? Was that me? That could have been me. Oh, no, Barry's saying no, it was me. Okay, woo! For once, I'm off the hook on this. All right, I like this. Okay, Lynn's a hard worker. I mean, he really, really is a hard worker. He's generous. He's compassionate. He's a great guy. He, he has employed uh, many of our younger men who've come up through here. Uh, he owns a welding company. Uh, and I, I can guess that that working for Lynn would, would be awesome. <laughs> I mean, it would be hard work. I just want you to know that I would love, I would love to come work for you someday. Oh, okay. Come on. Woo. Okay, now it's, now it's going. Okay. You, you'll get me a khaki shirt. So he, he has his company. He and Frida have Premier Welding. And, and they do welding. Personally, I'm a woodworking guy. I mean, I'm not saying anything bad against metal or anything like that, but Jesus was a carpenter, enough said, end of story. But, I mean, so, I mean, I would love to work. My goal in life is to work for Lynn and to work at Premier Welding. That's, that's what I want to do more than anything else. And you've offered me that opportunity. Now, I want you to know, it is out of his own graciousness that he has said that I can come work for him. Okay? He doesn't know if I'm a hard worker. He is certain that I cannot weld worth a lick. Okay? I can't stack nickels. Isn't that what they call it? Laying dimes or something like that. I can't do any of that. I wouldn't even be worth a penny. It would be terrible. I mean, it would be all over the place. But he said, I'll let you come work for me. I would love to, to be the guy. My goal in life is to get the khaki shirt that has premier welding on one side and Doug on the other. That's what I want. And you said I could do it, right? Okay, that's my goal in life. That's what I'm going to do. And that's going to start tomorrow, right? And guess what? My life is complete and all is good. But, but I want to ask you a, a few questions. You said that you would hire me. 
and you said that I could come work for you. And this means I now wear the name Premier Welding, what I've always wanted to be a part of. Okay, so I just have a few questions. Okay, um, when do I have to show up at work? Did you say in the morning? Is that the time that I have to wake up? No, I have to be there. And don't be late. I don't put up with lateness. Wow. Okay, this is already getting pretty tough. I mean, I'm a preacher, and I only have to work one day a week. Well, Wednesday's a half day, so one and a half days a week. But none of those days require me being at the building at 6 a.m., and you're telling me that I have to be there at 6 a.m. And ready to work. I can't, like, come in and bring in, like, my sleeping bag and say, I need a few more hours. Okay. Uh, not for me. So, so first I have to show up. Um, can, like, how hard do I have to work? I mean, is this going to involve harder than I ever had? So, I, I mean, this, this could cause, I mean, I could have, like, some back pains, and, I mean, it might be pretty tough. Just, just all of it. Like, forget. I mean, I mean, working at a church is tough. I mean, every once in a while, you could be working that coffee machine. You could get a paper cut. It's tough. It's hard work. I mean, you could get carpal tunnel. You know, but you're telling me that I could have knee back. I mean, there could be some head. You know, because just based on you, I mean, I don't know. There's something between the ears gets lost when you're welding every time. My goal is to be a welder and to work for you. But, but you're telling me that I can get the shirt with Premier Welding and my name on it, but I still have to show up and work. For me, freedom may die for you, but I <laughs> Freedom, I do it. I've always liked freedom more. <laughs> so, what happens if I decide, you know what, Mondays are bad days for me. I just, I would, re- it's 6 a.m. is tough. What, how about how about I work for you, but I'm going to do it. How about Tuesdays, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and half a Friday? And 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 we start at 8:30, okay? And we have a two-hour lunch break. And you, I better keep preaching. Don't don't quit your one-day job, right? Okay, so is he gracious in offering me a job? Okay, am I a terrible person if I say I want the job, but I don't want to work for it? Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah, no, I'm going to be honest with you. In the eyes of, of my employer, if he hires me and says, I've got a job for you to do, and I want you to try your hardest, if I say, you know what, I just don't feel it today. Am I a bad person? I'm at least a bad worker. I mean, at the end of the day, he has people, he has, I don't know, I guess you'd call maybe clients, who say, I want you to make this piece for me. And he turns to me and he says, I want you to make this piece for me so that I can give it to them. And what if I say, you know what, I don't really care, measurements, it's not that, and I just do a really terrible job. And he looks at it and he sees this terrible piece of welding. Is he going to say, awesome, let me go give it to this guy who is paying us money to build this? What's going to happen? But, but he's a gracious guy. And he's a hard worker. And he's passionate. He loves the Lord. I'm telling you, 
he gets confused on what is work and what is ministry because he finds a way to minister while people are working. It's fantastic, right? He's a, he's a super gracious guy, but he's telling you're telling me that you wouldn't hire me or, or you would fire me if I couldn't get there at 6 a.m. and do what I'm supposed to do. Okay. I just I want to ask this question now, and this is where you're going to get mad at me, and I'll let you sit down now. Thank you so much. So I guess maybe we'll wait on that job for another day. Freed, I'd still like that shirt, you know, just Doug, D-O-U-G. Just ma- okay, so anyway, you know where I'm going with this, right? We all have this, I want to be on God's team, like, I want to be a Christian, like, we make a big deal about the, the conversion, the baptism, I'm saved, and then God says, I've got some work to do, and you say, I'm saved, and he says, but there's some people out here who need help, and you say, I'm saved, And Jesus says, I want you to follow me. There's a cross involved, and it's blood-stained, and it's got splinters, and it's heavy, and it's hard, and your back's going to hurt, and your shoulders are going to hurt, and your knees are going to hurt, and you say, you know what? I'll take the pew. And Jesus says, I'd rather you carry the cross. In fact, he says, if you want To follow me. You've got to deny yourself. You've got to give up the things that you want, the things that make you feel comfortable, and you have to say, I'm going to follow you. We've got churches across the country that are in absolute crisis. They're in decline. They are dying. Just within the churches of Christ. Just within the churches of Christ. Nine congregations a month close their doors. Nine. That's 2.25 a week. Last week, there were two churches of Christ in the U.S. that met, and this week they didn't. And this week, there are two churches that are meeting, and they're like, this is our last Sunday together. And somehow we got into this idea that was that church was for me. Somehow we got the idea that church was for you. And we invited people to come in and say, just come in. If you will just sit down. Just come to our... Boy, our numbers would look great if you came in. Just We won't make you do anything. Just come. I mean, our preacher, he is so incredibly handsome and just and he's weak and he's smart and he's just he's 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 almost perfect i mean that's i know that's what you tell people just come in and see him you wait oh he's so great and we say come in and and we'll sing songs that you like and we'll make sure that every time you leave uplifted and encouraged That doesn't take courage and that doesn't take lifting. There's no cross involved in that. And so we started building up that church was a place to come and sit and be fed and be happy and be encouraged. And so you could leave and feel good about yourself. And then then you come back next week and then you start that whole thing all over again. And Jesus does, n- does not say that. He's, he, he never says that. 
Listen, we're not a church in decline. God has been gracious, and you all have been incredibly faithful. I, I meet with ministers, and they talk, and for some reason, I don't know why they still do it. I don't know why we still do it. When we get together, and one of the questions people always ask is, what percent are you at since COVID? That's the big question. Every, well, what are you? What percentage are you at? Oh, we're you know we're down sixty percent. We're we're at seventy percent. You know, up north it's really tough. Churches, if they get half back of what they had before, that's great. People say say us, well, you know, what percentage are you at now? I don't know, but it's it might be over a hundred. Like we we haven't lost people. We have a faithful group of people. Like they're just I mean they just you know grit down and they show up and they're here. And that's awesome. And I love that about you all. And so I'm not here to sit here and chastise you and say, oh, you're terrible people. You need to show up more or give more. I'm saying this is from a biblical perspective. We started Mark 15 years ago. I'm still working through it. But when we get to Mark 8 and Jesus says, you got to take up your cross and follow me. This is not about making budget. Okay, this is not about how many times you sit in a pew on a Sunday. This is not about how this helps me out or the church out. This is about you and your salvation. Jesus says, if you don't be, if you're not willing to lose your life for my sake, if church, if Christianity, if spirituality is about what you do for a couple hours a week, you have really missed out on what it means to follow me. Jesus went to the lost and to the hungry. Follow him to those people. Jesus hurt for the people who cheated him and who lied and who betrayed. Follow that man. This is not what's good for the church. This is about having a real relationship. We come here so that relationships can be built and lives can be shared and burdens can be bared. This is an important part of who we are as Christians. But Jesus says, you have to follow me. You don't follow Jesus simply by sitting. You have to move. And here's the truth. And I hope you understand this. I'm not just trying to yell and scream. I want you to know that as I was going through this, it was really hard for me because I could identify so many different areas in which I said, you know what? I'm not really following Jesus in this area of my life. This is not to shame you. I want you to know that following Jesus is the best, the best thing that you can do. It's the best thing that you can do. But if you're not following Jesus, he's just getting further and further away. And you're just missing out on what he has planned for you. Heaven's going to be great. And he's already paid for that. But I don't want to wait until then to get to know Jesus. 
And my prayer for you is that you start that walk or continue that walk or renew that walk this morning and say, I want to follow Jesus. I want us to be a church and a people and a body of Christ that, that just gives all the glory to God. As so many preachers have said before, I want to be the type of church that if tomorrow we all disappeared, this community would truly miss people who are serving the Lord and glorifying Him. And so this has been a hard sermon for me and maybe for you too. But I just want to remind you that that His grace has already paid the price. And we, we get to wear the khaki shirt with our names on it. And so this week, my prayer to you is, is get to work for the Lord. And let's find ways to glorify Him this morning. If there's any way that we can serve you this morning, please come as we stand and sing.